0: WellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives you're listening to the inspired optimist with your host dr jacinta de Prinzio, inspiring you to create a life that is healthy bright and full of light Hi guys, and welcome to the very first recording of the Inspired Optimist podcast. My name is Dr. Jacinta DiPrinza, and I'm so happy to have you guys tuning in today for the very, very first recording. I'm really, really excited to have you here. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm an integrated chiropractor and holistic lifestyle coach in Fremantle. And I'm absolutely obsessed with helping people reach their health goals naturally and take control back of their own health uh, without the use of drugs and medication where possible. Now, there's a few reasons why I decided that podcasting would be a great next step for me. Uh, The first one being that so many of my clients, they're really confused as to what they should and shouldn't be doing when it comes to taking control of their health again. I know that there's a lot of conflicting information out there about what diets we should follow, how we should be living our lives, what's the best way to go about reaching true vitality. And I would like to just cut through some of that uh, in the coming weeks and shed a bit of light and the science behind what really is best for our bodies. And the second reason that I wanted to do podcasting is because I want to learn some stuff and there's so many people out there that are doing amazing things that I'm really excited to interview and share the information with you guys uh, that are doing incredible, incredible work in the health and wellness industry and are making massive waves. So I really wanted to showcase that and get the information out to the masses. So I suppose that for the first podcast, it would be fitting to get to know each other a little bit better. And I thought that I would be a little bit self-indulgent and tell you a bit about my story, if that's okay with you guys. So I grew up in Mandra, which is an hour south of Perth in WA, Australia, on a coastal town with my family and my sister, Candace. she's three years older than me. And I just remember having an amazing time at the beach after school every day. And I was always the eternal optimist, which is part of the reason why I named my alter ego the Inspired Optimist, because I remember just having this vigor and zest for life that was almost insatiable. I remember playing with my friends and never even thinking about the time and being completely in the moment. And I know that for a lot of you, you can relate to that feeling when you were younger and time just slipped by and we were never thinking about what had happened five minutes ago or a year ago. And we weren't thinking about what was going to happen tomorrow either. We were just totally engrossed in what we were doing and just having the time of our lives. And I think that we lose a little bit of that along the way when it comes to, being very busy and having responsibilities and having to adult um, maybe sooner than we want to. Uh, But I just remember always having that real zest for life when I was younger. And I would expect that if someone was going to come up to me at that age that that I didn't know in the playground, that we would just instantly be friends and like each other and, and play and there would never be any animosity between us. And as I got a little bit older, I realized that life wasn't all rainbows and butterflies and that, okay, maybe there was some people in the world that weren't that nice. And the first experience I had with that was a bit of bullying when I was younger. And I'm sure that we can all relate to some degree of bullying when we were in school. What happened to me is I, when I was little, I had quite perfect teeth, my baby teeth. And then when I lost my baby teeth, my full-grown adult teeth came through. And now, if you had have ever seen me before, my teeth are actually quite big. So I had the teeth that I have now, but my face was about half the size. So there was nowhere for my teeth to go. And so the only way that they grew was out. So I had huge buck teeth when I was in a, about grade seven. I couldn't even close my mouth; if they were that bad, and that was really the first time that I realized that there was maybe some not so nice people in the world. Because I started to get teased uh, pretty pretty badly on the school bus on the way home by this one boy who was my sister's age, and I used to I remember just dreading having to get on the school bus because I didn't want to deal with this this boy's torments. And I told my mum about it, and my auntie was there as well. And she said to me that I should tell this boy, you know, I can get my teeth fixed, but you're stuck with that ugly face forever. So the next day, I was really excited to use this, what I thought was an awesome comeback. And I said that and uh, it, it didn't seem to have much effect on him. But I suppose what I always felt was that I had a lot of support and that my parents and my family always had my back. And I was really lucky in that way growing up. And my mum pretty quickly found out that um, this bullying was continuing and so she suggested that, okay, Jacinda, maybe we should strap these teeth down and get you some braces and something like that. So I had eight teeth pulled out, two plates, braces, Invisalign. I literally have a $1,000 smile, if not more, because I have had so much work done on my teeth. And but that, thank God, because I would have um, been in a real state now if I hadn't have done that. So thank you, mum. So after that point, I, I still very much so have prided myself on really enjoying life for what it is and essentially seeing the good in everything and, you know, looking at experiences in a certain way that was more positive rather than negative negative. And I have always been really, really proud of that quality that that I believe that I have. But it wasn't until it was probably last year that something happened that really, really, really challenged that belief that I had about myself and the way that I viewed the world. And I would love to share that story with you if that's okay. So last year, my partner and I decided that we were going to go on a trip to Europe. Uh, We had saved up for quite a while and it was the first holiday that that we were going to have away together. So we decided that we're going to go away for three weeks. We're going to start in London for a week and then go to Paris and then we're going to leave the last week open um, to just see where, where it took us. So we had a great time for the first couple of weeks, but I and anyone who has grown up on the beach, I'm sure that you can relate to this. I was getting some severe ocean withdrawals and I just needed to get to the water because I felt like I was living in a bit of a concrete jungle. And so what we decided was that we were going to, on our last week of our trip, take a train from Paris to Nice and spend the last bit of our holiday in Nice and for those of you who don't know where Nice is it's basically along the French Riviera beautiful pebble beaches beautiful sea there and a really nice relaxing uh, French town so that's what we did first day that we got there I was ready to just jump straight into that water my partner Alistair he needed to do some work on his laptop so I left him behind in the hotel room because I was just itching and I quickly got my things together and, and went down to the beach. And I was sitting there for probably about 20 minutes, um, drinking a cocktail, really enjoying myself down at the beach. And all of a sudden, I hear this commotion happening on the shoreline. And I look up and there's a lady yelling in French, pointing towards the water. I thought, what is going on here? And she kept continuing to yell, and there was a bit of a commotion starting to happen, a bit of a crowd started to form around her. And I looked over to two French girls that were sitting next to me who also spoke English, and they said to me, apparently some, this lady is saying that someone has gone under the water. And it was really strange because this beach was absolutely packed. There would be... Just next to you along the whole beach, you know, 30 centimeters away and there would be someone right there. We were all on top of each other. And it just seemed a little odd that she was the only one that apparently saw this person go underwater because there was just so many people there. So a lot of us were in a bit of disbelief. We didn't know whether or not to trust what this lady was saying or whether or not she maybe had uh, misinterpreted what she saw. But she seemed pretty adamant. So about 20 minutes past, the lifeguards they started to put, they put some snorkel gear in, they started to have a look around the water. And they couldn't find anything. Then the coast guards were called and they got their scuba gear on, they put their wetsuits on, and they started to have a look around where on the shoreline where this person apparently disappeared. And then another 20 minutes passed. So this is now 40 minutes since this person had apparently gone missing. And then we were all thinking, you know, she's got it wrong. But all of a sudden, one of the the coast guards popped up from the water and just seemed to be waiting in the water. And then he called over his, the other coast guard towards him and they seemed to be chatting together. This was about, I would say, 70 metres off the shore. And then they started to swim in, into the shore together. And as they approached closer and closer and closer, what started to realize was they were actually carrying a body with them. And then as they continued to get closer along the shoreline, they dragged up a lifeless body of a teenage boy who was very, very obviously dead. Very obviously dead. And it was one of the most shocking things that I've ever seen. I'd, I have never seen a dead body like that. I mean, through university, we worked on cadavers and that sort of thing. But to see somebody who was living such a short time prior to that and a young boy at that and to have the mood change from one of holiday to complete devastation so quickly was a really, really eerie feeling. And what was even more odd was some of the reactions of the people on the beach. Some people started to take photos. People were still ordering food and drinks, some people. Uh, and then of others, of course, were quite concerned and curious as well and it was just really really strange to look at the human experience and see how people dealt with that shock and stress and emotion now this boy because he was pretty much pronounced dead on the scene at the scene he was then left on the rocks for about 2 hours on the shoreline almost just discarded to the side and i know that there would have had to be a few things having to happen. The police did end up coming. But I just thought to myself, you know, this is somebody's son. This could be my brother. That could be me. Just left on the rocks to almost discard And everyone then enjoying their time around him like nothing had happened. And I found that extremely odd. And I, I left the beach, of course, because it was just a horrific thing to see. And I walked back to the hotel and I told Alistair what happened and obviously I was in quite a bit of shock and so we just stayed pretty low for the rest of the afternoon. But of course life goes on for everyone else and we decided that although this was something that was so tragic that happened you can't stop living just because there was a tragedy like that that happened. You have to continue on and you can't you know, live in this fear and sadness all the time. So we decided that we were going to go and have a casual dinner and then and then come back and have an early night. So we heard that there was some fireworks and a local celebration happening along the promenade of Nice that night. So we thought to ourselves, okay, well, the fireworks start at 10 o'clock. So we'll go to dinner at 9 p.m. and then have uh i suppose elongate our dining experience for a little while and then we'll be sitting down at this restaurant by 10 o'clock we'll be able to watch the fireworks here so that's what we did we went and had some dinner we had a couple of drinks um we had our entree and then we were just about to order our main at about 9 40 p.m so 20 minutes before the fireworks started and we called over their waiter and he told us that the kitchen had closed. And for those of you who have been to those European countries, you will understand how crazy that is because so many people don't even go to dinner unless it's past 10 p.m. So for this t- kitchen to completely close was crazy, but we thought, okay, well, there's nothing we can do about it. We'll pay our bill and we'll maybe find some food elsewhere. So by the time we paid our bill, it's probably 10 to 10 at this stage, and We're still pretty hungry. So we're walking along trying to figure out okay, do we go back to our hotel? Do we get some more food? And we're just having a look around. And then my partner said, Jacinta, I really, really need to go to the bathroom. And I thought, great, we're going to miss the fireworks because you have a weak bladder. So he said, because he was only comfortable going to the bathroom in our hotel room so he wanted to go back to our hotel room and then quickly go to the bathroom and then quickly run back out and catch the fireworks so we started walking back to our hotel but it got to about 10 10 p.m while we're walking and the fireworks started so we thought okay well, well we'll stay here on the promenade we'll watch the fireworks and then he can go to the bathroom afterwards so the fireworks lasted for about 10 minutes And they're really, they're really great. There's lots and lots and lots of people really, really crowded along the promenade. And as soon as they finished, he was pretty much busting. So he was like, please, can we please, please, please get out of here? I need to go to the toilet. So we practically ran back to our accommodation and ran up the seven flights of stairs that we had to go up because there was no elevator in this place. And then as soon, I would say probably a couple of minutes after we were back in our hotel room, I heard this massive bang and then a whole bunch of screaming and commotion. And I thought, what the hell is that? I said to Alistair, I think someone's having a fight along the street just below us. So I went to the window and I looked down, down to the ground because I was seven flights up, down to the ground And what I saw, the only way that I can explain it, it looked almost apocalyptic. There was people running everywhere through these tiny little French alleyways, falling over each other, bumping into each other, pushing each other out the way. I distinctly remember a couple that was in their 70s. The old lady, she fell over and her husband was trying to drag her behind him and I thought what is going on people were pushing themselves into other people's houses I remember seeing a cafe owner throwing his chairs that from the restaurant literally throwing them into his cafe and then quickly locking the door behind him and I thought okay there's something going on here it hasn't been a fight there's something seriously wrong going on here and obviously my heart started to pound I started to get really really frightened So I looked on my phone and I looked up breaking news in Nice and the first thing I saw was terrorist attack, truck mows down crowd along the Nice promenade on Bastille Day and then image after image after image that was uncensored started to come through of people being literally mowed down i was seeing these images and they were images that we were standing right there no less than 10 minutes prior we were right there exactly where the truck mowed these people down and for those of you who are not sure the terrorist attack i'm talking about there was a man who stole a truck And got through security and basically went on a rampage of running people over along this promenade. And up to 80 people were killed and many, many, many more injured. And he did this for about a K and a half along the promenade, just mowing people down the whole way. And he was stopped because he got shot. And the place that he got shot was right in front of where Alistair and I had dinner. And it was so terrifying because what then started to happen was no one really knew the extent of what was happening. And so the government said that we need and the media started to say everyone needs to stay indoors because terrorists may start targeting hotels. And you can imagine how scary that was being a foreigner in a different country not knowing anybody and being in a hotel and then hearing that someone could come in and start targeting hotels now i didn't know if there was bombs that had already been set up in hotels to be blown up i didn't know if there was hitmen coming in with guns every single no- noise that i heard i thought it was someone coming to to get to get us to kill us and as you can imagine not a wink of sleep was had that night and it was so terrifying and then the next day alistair and i walked out along the promenade and it was just carnage there was sorry to be graphic but there was just blood streamed all over the promenade for one and a half k's it took us 15 minutes to walk from the first blood stain to the last and it was right where we had been walking every single day and night for the for the past few days. It was disgusting, for lack of a better word. And it was easy to think at that stage that my optimism and the way that I viewed the world had been changed forever. And that there was a hell of a lot of evil in the world and a lot of danger and that The world was not a safe place to live in and this optimism and positivity that I once had was going to change and that was really really scary but something very interesting happened over the next few days and that is that what started to happen as people started to emerge and pay their respects to their loved ones that died and the community started to come out and pay their respects there would there was flowers that were being laid on every single blood stain, And then as the days progressed even further, those few offerings of flowers ended up turning in to flowers completely covering one and a half k's of the promenade. People playing songs, people giving out hugs in the street, this huge banding together of community and love and support for each other. And I thought at that moment that the huge amount of hate and fear in the world is only possible with the copious amounts of love that's in the world and optimism and respect and humanity that we all have for each other. And we can really choose to fill our minds and our lives with the stress of deadlines and poor relationships and what people think about us and the stories that we tell ourselves in our own head that we're not good enough and we're not doing enough and we should be more or we can realize that the only thing that matters is how we feel about each other and how we feel about ourselves and so much of the reason why I wanted to start sharing my message with with you guys is because I know that I have a gift to give and a power to give and knowledge to give to share and I don't want to be scared anymore to share that knowledge and nor should you we should all be living in our power and stop holding ourselves back from our true potential because our time on earth is incredibly short and life is incredibly precious and part of the reason why I'm so passionate about sharing my knowledge with you is because I know that we cannot truly live up to our true potential and live in our true power if we are not truly looking after our health and wellness. And I'm really, really excited to be interviewing some amazing inspirational people over the next few podcasts and, and you know, time to come that are also going to help you take back that control of your life so that not only can you be healthy and vital but you can start living to your truest potential as well and you can start grabbing life by the horns and live it for what it's worth and see it for what it really is which is of course a true gift life is a gift and it sounds cliche but damn it's true it's so true And so that's what's to come. I am so excited to have you here. I'm so thankful that you're tuning in and you're giving me the time of day to listen. It's so wonderful. And I really look forward to chatting to you later. I really look forward to sharing my knowledge and I hope you have such a beautiful day and I can't wait to talk to you soon. This is Jacinta from the Inspired Optimist. Bye for now.